So have you ever heard the expression, don't make a song and a dance about it? Have you ever heard anyone say that? Oh, don't make a song and a dance about it. It means it's no big deal. Don't make a fuss. There's no need to get so excited. But you know, there are some things that are worth making a song and a dance about. And today we're going to hear about a woman called Miriam, who made a song and a dance about the amazing things that God had done for Israel, and especially the way that he parted the Red Sea and enabled them to escape from the Egyptians. But whenever we read a story from the Bible, we need to understand where it fits into the one big story, what's often called the overarching narrative. So we're going to have a little quiz to start with, which is going to help us to place today's story into the one big story of the Bible. Now, Rick, I wonder if you could mentally uh, record the score here, because this is how it's going to work. It's going to be children versus adults in this quiz. Do you think you can beat the adults in a quiz? Yes. Do you think you sound a bit more confident? Can you beat the adults in a quiz? Yes. Okay, I think you can. So this is how it's going to work. You'll get to answer each question first. I can only accept the first answer. So if you get it wrong it'll have to go to the adults. And if they get it wrong, it will come back to you and so on. And for each correct answer, children, you're going to get two points and adults, you're going to get one point, which is only fair. But Well, you've had a lot longer to learn this, I think. So it's only fair. So are you ready? So just to set the scene a bit, last week we were in the book of Genesis and we heard about Joseph and we know that he had 10 older brothers and one younger brother. And Joseph's father loved him more than all the other brothers, which is always a recipe for disaster. Uh, he gave Joseph a special uh, robe or coat of many colors. And Joseph had these dreams where he saw his family and his brothers bowing down to him. And that made his brothers really super angry. And they hated Joseph. So this is the first question. What did Joseph's brothers do to him? Uh, Caitlin. Um, throw him in a pit and take his robe. They threw him in a pit and took his robe. That's exactly right. You can get two points for that, but there's something after that that they did that, Isabel? Pardon? They sold him. They did, they sold him. They sold him uh, to a group of traveling merchants called the Midianites, and they carted Joseph off as a slave. So that was question one. Are you keeping track? Question two, where did the Midianites take Joseph? To which country did they take Phoebe? Your hand went straight up. Oh, that's so close, because this is a country where there is a lot of desert, so I'm going to have to offer it to the adults. I didn't think they were going to get a look in. Adults, where did the Midianites take? Longreach. Long Is he right? Was it Longreach? No. Okay, so it comes back to you. Where did they? To Ropa. To Egypt. Okay. Okay, fantastic. I, th I thought the adults were in with a chance there and Mike blew it. So question three. What became of Joseph in Egypt? We know he had a really tough time to start with, but eventually, what became of him? Go on, 
to Roper again. He became a pharaoh? He, uh, do you know what? That's such a good answer. He didn't quite become a pharaoh, uh, but he, be- well, should we ask the adults if they know? That's, that's so close to, to Roper. I think one point for that. You get half point for that, definitely. Um, what became of Joseph? What became of Joseph in Egypt? A high minister became the second most important person in Egypt, second only to Pharaoh. So the adults can, we'll give him a point for that, what do you reckon? We'll be generous. Okay, so question four, what, what eventually happened to the rest of Joseph's family? Did they stay in the land where Joseph left them? Did Joseph ever see them again? What happened to the rest of Joseph's family? Is Go on, uh, go on, Tawana. They went to Egypt to buy food. I'll give that because they ended up living in Egypt with Joseph, and Joseph forgave his brothers. Question five. So we know that Joseph's family grew and grew and grew, and they did really well in Egypt. They became the nation of Israel. What happened to Israel, to God's people, when Pharaoh died? And another pharaoh came to power. What happened? Did they carry on living as they always lived? Oh, he's putting up the slides a bit in advance, so you should get this, I think, from the slide. Adarius. They became slaves in Egypt. Pharaoh made them his slaves. And So question six, God heard his people crying out to him. And he sent them one particular person, one man, to lead them out of Egypt. What was the name of the man who led Israel out of Egypt? Go on, Adarius. Moses. Okay, so Moses led people out of Egypt. And so question seven. Moses um, spoke to Pharaoh and said, you've got to let God's people go. But Pharaoh refused. He said, no way. I've got this big group of people doing all the hard work. I'm not going to let them go. So what did God do? Or what did God send to Egypt? This might be trickier. To Roper, you're really bailing the team out here. He sent insects and bugs. He sent? Insects and bugs. Okay, I'm going to give you that because... He did send insects and bugs. He sent 10 plagues, in fact, uh, on Egypt. And it started with uh, all the water turning to blood, and then there were frogs everywhere, and then then everyone had lice, and then there were flies all over the place, and then the livestock, the the farm animals died. One plague after another, 10 plagues in total, until eventually Pharaoh gave way and he said, okay, you can go, get out, uh, leave Egypt. So, what happened then? Did, what did Pharaoh do next? So, the Israelites have left Egypt. Did Pharaoh just say, oh, oh well, they've gone. I've lost my labor force. Nothing I can do. What did Pharaoh do next? Caitlin. After a little while, he came back with an army trying to get them back. Exactly. He changed his mind, didn't he? He changed his mind and he chased after the people of Israel with his army. And uh, Israel were, were trying to escape, and they came to this huge body of water, a sea, 
What was the name of that sea? I think you might have known Marcellus. You no, sure, Caleb. The Red Sea, absolutely right. Sometimes translated the Reed Sea. So they came to the Red Sea. So the last question, question ten. You've got um, Pharaoh and his army bearing down on the people of Israel, just about to catch them up, and Israel are uh, are at the sea. They can't go round it. They can't swim across it, and yet they do manage to escape. How do they escape? Marcellus. Yep, so Moses parts the sea and they cross on dry land. And uh, the, the, the Egyptians attempted to cross and the sea came back into its place and the Egyptians were drowned. And it is that event, the crossing of the Red Sea, that Miriam celebrated with singing and by leading all the other women in this dance. Now, we've just heard that Moses led the people out of Egypt. Uh, But we know that Moses also had a brother and a sister who had really important roles to play in this story. Now, Moses' brother was called Aaron, and his sister was called... What is this? We're thinking about it a lot today. Who said that? Yeah. Miriam. Exactly right. Miriam was Moses' sister. It's the end of the quiz, by the way. I've not asked for the score because you absolutely whitewashed the adults there. They hardly got a look in. Huh? It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing, the score. Okay. So, so Miriam led this wonderful song and dance. But you know what? When we think about what it was... Uh, that they were celebrating, the people of Israel, we might have mixed feelings. It's wonderful that God rescued his people from slavery in Egypt. It's awesome to think that God parted the sea so that they could escape from the Egyptians. But we also learn that Pharaoh's army drowned. All those men and horses washed away. Now, they did have an evil intention, it's true. But that's still a tragedy, isn't it? That's still a terrible thing to have happened. And you know what? The Jewish people, they saw it that way as well. There's an ancient Jewish story called a Midrash, and it's all about the crossing of the Red Sea. And it acknowledges that we should never be pleased, we should never, be, we should never rejoice when God's handiwork is destroyed. Uh, the people that God has made. Because we've got to remember that God made the Egyptians as well as he made the Israelites. And God loves everything that he's made. So it's good that God saved Israel from slavery. God is right to, uh, to bring judgment. God is right to do something about evil and oppression. Uh, but a story like this gives us cause for grief and sadness as well as joy and praise. Does anyone here have a pet dog? Put your hand up if you've got a pet dog. Adults as well, who's got a pet dog? Okay, hands down. If you haven't got a pet dog, guys, can we we put that on the chair? Because that's getting a little bit distracting, I reckon. So just put that on the chair, and then then we can definitely look at that afterwards. So, So who's got a pet dog? 
Okay, lots of people have got a pet dog. So if you haven't, I want you to imagine that you have maybe one like this one behind me. Now, imagine that you took your dog to a dog beach and you let it off the lead. Now, many of you wouldn't do that because the dog would run and keep on running and wouldn't come back. But let's just say it's a very well-behaved dog and you let it off the lead and the dog gets a little way away from you when all of a sudden a pack of ferocious dingoes come rushing onto the beach and start chasing your dog. What do you think is going to happen when those dingoes catch your dog, Caitlin? They're going to eat it. They're going to tear it apart. It'd be the most awful thing, wouldn't it? It'd be the most awful thing. So these dingoes, they're just about to get your dog. When someone comes onto the beach with a rifle, and shoots all the dingoes. How would that make you feel? How would that make you feel? Relieved? How else? Caitlin? Sad for the dingoes? Happy? Okay, so already there's mixed feelings there. You might feel happy, relieved, and thankful that your dog was safe, but you might feel sad that those dingoes were shot. So you might have mixed feelings. And if we think about Israel as being like the dog and Pharaoh's army as being like the dingoes, we can see how there's something to celebrate but there's also something to feel sad about. We're pleased that God saved Israel, but the drowning of all those men and horses can only ever be seen as a tragedy. It's a terrible thing that happened. And Proverbs 24, 17 says, do not gloat. Gloating is when we say, ha ha, serves you right, I'm glad that happened to you. Do not gloat when your enemy falls. When they stumble, do not let your heart rejoice. And Jesus went even further. He said, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who want to do you harm. So as Christians, we never want to see bad things happen to people. And even if there are people who hate us, even if there are people who want to see bad things happen to us, God tells us, Jesus tells us, that we need to love them and pray for them and want the best for them. So it's not that Miriam wanted to gloat, but she did want to celebrate the fact that God had saved his people from slavery. God protected his people from the hands of the Egyptians who really wanted to harm them. Now, that is something to celebrate. It is something to remember. Now, recently, we had the Football World Cup. Okay, I am talking about football and not soccer. Okay. And I did support Australia. Who else would support? Who was supporting Australia in the World Cup? I, when Australia were playing, I supported them. I find it very difficult to support a team that calls itself the Socceroos. <laughs> but I did support them. I'm getting very uh, interesting looks from Fiona here. <laughs> uh, but there was a really important game between England and Colombia. Guess who I was supporting? Colombia. <laughs> So Gloria needs to wash her mouth out with soap. Uh, No, I was in fact supporting England, and England did win on penalties, so it was nail-biting stuff. And when England won, I went, yes, 
stood up and shouted, yes! Now, I do at this moment have to apologize to our Colombians, Gloria and Lena. I'm sorry to drag up these painful memories. I'm not saying that England, uh, that God helped England win. This is just an example. But when I stood up and I went, yes! I wasn't, I wasn't saying, yes, you've lost, ha, 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 you bunch of losers. That would be gloating. I was saying, yes, we've made it through to the next round. This is so exciting. I was celebrating. So we need to realize that there is a difference between gloating and celebrating. Uh, but we should celebrate God's success. We should celebrate the wonderful things that God has done. And when it came to celebrating uh, the fact that Israel had been able to cross through the Red Sea, they were freed from slavery in Egypt, when it came to celebrating that, Miriam led the way. And it says, she took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women followed her with timbrels and dancing, and Miriam sang praises to God. Who can tell me what a timbrel is? Who could tell me what a two? Took a timbrel in her hand. Who could tell me? Come on, there must be someone. Have a guess. I'm going to ask you to guess. What is a timbrel? Look, think about what a timbrel is because somebody's going to have to guess it. What is a timbrel? Phoebe. A guess. So she's singing and dancing and playing a timbrel. No idea? Mackenzie? No clue? Okay, to Roper? That's what they used to call a tambourine. A tambourine, okay, a timbrel. It's like a tambourine, a percussion instrument. <coughs> well done. Uh, so there was dancing and the playing of instruments and singing. It was uh, joyful, it was lively, it was full of energy. And most ex- important of all, it was all about giving glory to God. Do you know it's okay to get excited and passionate when we're praising God? Uh, Miriam sets us a wonderful example of exuberant worship. What does exuberant mean? Adarius. Caleb, exuberant, what does it mean? Pardon? You're not sure? Tawana? Exciting, yeah, joyful, energetic, lively, exciting, uninhibited. Uh, now, I would say, in many ways, I'm quite British. I tend to be, I tend to be fairly quiet and reserved. Uh, but sometimes, even I can't contain myself when I'm thanking God for the things that he's done. And shortly before we came out here to Australia, I went for a walk uh, in a national park called Dartmoor. And I climbed a big rock. And it's actually this same rock here called uh, Haytor. It's on Dartmoor. So I climbed up this rock and I began to pray. And it was a really windy day, noisy, howling wind. And I turned into the wind and I raised my arms like this. And I'm I'm not much of a singer. So I, I shouted my prayers and praises to God from the top of that rock. Now, I could do it. There was no one else around. I could be exuberant. I could shout praises and prayers to God, and there was no one there to see me or hear me. And then I turned around to climb back down the rock, and there was a woman who I hadn't seen 
climbing up the rock. And when we passed each other, she said, you're having a nice time. (laughs) And I've got to admit, I felt a bit embarrassed. So if I'm honest, I can find it difficult to be exuberant, especially when there are lots of other people around. And there are probably people here who feel a bit like that too. Uh, But there's others amongst us who will naturally be more expressive. You know, the kind of people who can sing and dance at the drop of a hat. And if you're that sort of person, I wouldn't want you to feel that you have to contain it because you're at church. Is it opposite? We can be passionate. We can be excitable. Uh, We don't have to feel that we have to conform because we're all different. So if during worship you want to clap and raise your hands and, and dance, that's fine. And if we don't want to do any of those things, that's fine as well. We're all different. Now, I know that Tissa won't mind me saying that she's a very excitable and expressive person. And we were once watching the Olympics, just the two of us watching on our TV, and there were some Jamaicans running. Usain Bolt was one of them. And Tissa was so excited. She was jumping up and down and screaming and getting so carried away with it all. And this is when we lived in London, so the people who lived in the flat below us thought something terrible was happening. They thought that someone was being murdered, literally, they told us later. Um, But the fact is, it was wonderful, because I felt like I was right there in the stadium watching this, even though it's just me and Tissa watching on the TV. I got carried away with Tissa's excitement, and that's what happened when Miriam began to sing and dance and to play the timbrel, all the other women joined in. They all got carried away with Miriam's excitement. And people like Miriam bring life and energy and they create an atmosphere that allows us to worship God wholeheartedly. And so we want to encourage the Miriams among us. But we also need to acknowledge that not everyone's a Miriam. And that's okay too. Um, the important thing is our, that our worship is authentic, it, it comes from the heart, and that it gives glory to God. Now, who here has ever prayed? Put your hand up. Adults as well, put your hand up if you've ever prayed. So that's pretty much everyone. Did you know, did you know that you can sing prayers? Did you know you can sing prayers? The book of Psalms is full of prayers that are meant to be sung. So in a way, Miriam's song is like one of the first Psalms uh, in the Bible. And when we sing songs of praises to God like we've been doing this morning, we are singing, but we're also praying the words that we're singing. But Miriam's song and the songs that we sing also help us to remember to remember the wonderful things that God has done for us. Human beings have always remembered things by putting them into songs. Uh, It's easier to remember songs, isn't it? Put your hand up if you've ever read the book Matilda by Roald Dahl. You can join in as well, adults. Who's read that? Matilda by Roald Dahl. Now, in that book, there's a teacher called Miss Trunchbull. What kind of a teacher is Miss Trunchbull? Is she a nice teacher? What kind of a teacher is she? 
teaching mean? She's a really mean teacher. She is the kind of teacher that haunts people's nightmares. And she goes storming into a classroom to give the children a spelling test. And there's a little boy called Nigel who has to spell the word difficulty, which is actually quite a hard word to spell. But Miss Honey, their teacher, has taught them a little song to help them to remember how to spell this word. So when Nigel is on the spot in front of the fearsome Miss Trunchbull, and he has to spell difficulty, he says, Mrs. D, Mrs. I, Mrs. FFI, Mrs. C, Mrs. U, Mrs. LTY. That's how he spelled difficulty. And that's how he remembered it. And people have always found it easier to remember things by putting them into songs. And it was so important for Israel to remember the way that God had saved them from slavery in Egypt. It was so important for them to remember the wonderful things that God had done for them. And that is why Miriam and Miriam's song are so important. And when we sing together, when we praise God, uh, we are remembering the wonderful things that he's done for us. And you know what? We have something even more amazing to sing about than Miriam did. What is that? Kids at the front, what is the most amazing thing that we have to sing about? Or let me say, who? Who do we have to sing about? Go on, Isabel. God, and more specifically, Jesus. Jesus lived and died and rose again. So that if we put our faith and our trust in him, he will be our friend for other, forever. God saved his people from the Egyptians, from slavery. And through Jesus, God has saved us from death itself. Now that is something to make a song and a dance about, isn't it? So whenever we sing songs together, listen carefully to the words and give Jesus praises for the wonderful things that he's done for us. Let's give him glory and honor and praise this morning. Amen.